hey, if you have a passion and you love what you have something that you would love to do at the end of the day, like go for it. No one's stopping you. And we only have one go around. So why not make the most of it? And, you know, you're going to fail, but that's okay. You just get right back up and keep going. Main Street businesses are struggling as they face challenges nothing like we've seen before. You're listening to the Behind Main Street Podcast. Let's learn from real-world Main Street entrepreneurs. Pick their brains and learn their secrets to navigate, persevere, and overcome all the modern obstacles they face every day. Get ready to peek behind the stories, the struggles, and strategies of today's Main Street entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Behind Main Street Podcast. Here's your host, Chris J. Cardona. Well, great day, everyone. Welcome to the show. Whether it's your first time listening or an avid follower, thank you so much for joining us. Show notes can be found at www.behindmainstreet.com. But before we get started, I would like to thank the sponsor for this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thinkin' Local, a fundraising and giving-based marketing platform whose mission is to connect local Main Street businesses who care about making an impact in the local community with schools and nonprofits who believe in supporting their local businesses. Find out more by visiting Think, the letter in, local.com. So for today's episode, I'm very, very excited to interview Alex Chibokawa. She is the founder and chief baker of Liberty Baking Company, where she creates comfort baked goods like biscuits, cookies, hand pies, and loaves, where she combines her love of baking with her patriotism. I'm very eager to learn more about her and her company. Alex, are you ready to take us behind the curtains and dig into your story? I sure am. Bring out the shovels. Let's dig for gold. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've given our listeners a little bit of a sneak peek of who you are. Why don't you tell them a little bit more about, about yourself and what it is that you do? All right. So I'm Alex Bukawa. Um, I am the owner slash founder of Love and Liberty Baking Co. I am a cottage food business, so I bake out of my home kitchen. Um, right now, I sell at farmer's markets. I do pop-up events, um, but I specialize in just all American baked goods. So the stuff that, you know, grandma will make cookies, biscuits, scones, pies, you know, just all of that good stuff. That's amazing. Well, I've, I've definitely had it. I, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be at one of the events that you were in and I was able to, my wife loved it. My kids loved it. I loved it as well, especially the, um, I think it was the, uh, the chocolate chip. I mean, who, who doesn't like chocolate chip, but I loved, yeah. everybody loved your, your good. So a, test, you. a testament to you. Thank uh, you. Maybe you can tell us something interesting that your family and friends would say about you. Um, that's a tough one. I would probably say that my friends and family would say that I like to kind of go against the current. I've always been a fan of doing hard things. Um, you know, even when I was in high school, when all my friends were going to college, I decided to go kind of like the opposite route, not do the four-year. I went to a JC. I had a job waiting tables um, and then I dropped out of college 
uh, worked, traveled a little bit, and then ultimately decided to pursue my childhood dream of going to culinary school. And then here I am. <laughs> so Fantastic. kind of taking the non-traditional route. That's, uh, that's probably what they would say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I mean, we, we, to each his own, like you, you create your path, whatever works for you is what I think you, you can't be judged about like how you do things, but mm -hmm. how you, how you, how the result is in the end. Right? Oh, I mean, when you bake, when you put those ingredients together, I'm sure when you're creating some of those new recipes, you don't exactly know how it's going to turn out, but you know, the ingredients and the hard work that you put in them and the recipes, it's what makes it what it is. Oh yeah. And then, you know, just the whole process of trial and error and, you know, trying one thing, tasting it and tweaking it and just doing it over and over and over again until you have a product that you're proud of. Absolutely. Well, how would you describe your mission in life? Um, my mission in life, I think just as an individual is just to be a good person, um, a person of good character, have integrity, um, you know, be kind and just to leave a positive impression on everyone that you come into contact with, whether it's for a short period of time or extended period of time, um, you know, just leave people, you know, with a good impression and just be a good person. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Well, what would you say most people misunderstand about Alex? That's a tough one. I've, I've been thinking about this one um, for a while. <laughs> and hmm. I would definitely say that what people would misunderstand about me most is that I think my upbringing potentially of just they are baffled that my parents didn't put a ton of pressure on me to go one direction and they have just been incredibly supportive um through everything that i've tried in life and you know just like i said the the non-traditional route <laughs> i gotcha i i think it's a it's a common stereotype for Asian families, for people that are outside, you know, that are not Asian, to mm -hmm. always think that if you're coming from an Asian family, your your parents are telling you you're gonna be a you're gonna be a this, you're gonna be a that. But sometimes, you know, it doesn't. It's not always like that. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And you know, I think in my family, I do have some entrepreneurs, so it was just a natural kind of hey, you know, you. As long as you put in the hard work and you're all in, then we support you and we trust that you're going to do what you need to do. That's amazing. They get it. <laughs> yeah, they do. And I'm lucky. And, you know, I I hope more parents can take note from that. <laughs> Absolutely. We're our listeners who are um, who have kids that are on their way to college and things mm -hmm. of that nature. Take note of that. And even for me, and I have four kids, my, <laughs> my, my oldest is a freshman in high school. Okay. So he still has a ways away, but you know, yeah. definitely, um, you know, it's, it's good advice for, for me as well as a parent. Oh, for sure. And you know, less debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm still paying for my student loans. <laughs> right. Right. But, um, well, if there was one thing that you would say that you value most in life, mm -hmm. what would you say that would be? I would say family. My family is everything to me. Um, they are super involved in my business. 
Um, and they are really the reason why I am the way I am today. Um, family and like I said, just being an all around good person of good character and just leaving that positive impression on everyone that you meet. You know, speaking of that, you know, leaving a positive impression, a lot of times we think about the long-term impact that we will leave, right? The legacy Mm -hmm. that we will leave. Have you ever had thoughts about the impact that you and your business will have in the short term, like in five years? Um, I would say, yeah, definitely. I think um, my goal is to not only have amazing tasting quality products, but I want to bring kind of that nostalgia back. Um, You know, growing up, I always looked forward to, you know, certain family members and the dishes that they would make um, or just the foods that you eat that just takes you back to, you know, your childhood or something that you grew up with, um, you know, just having that kind of impression um, and being able to be that familiar face to families around town of like, hey, you know, I love your cookies or, you know, I always go to the farmer's market with my kid and we always, you know, buy a cookie from you and that's just our thing. You know, I think that's that's the kind of lasting impression that I want to make. as a business is to be that business that welcomes everybody that you can, you know, you know me, I know you, um, and just to really have that, that relationship with your customers. So they know where their food's coming from. Absolutely. Very hometown feel. Definitely. And I think that's, you're right. I mean, that's some of the things that has been lost through the years. Everything has been commercialized, right. Yeah. And having that, like I think I was talking to another guest a, a while back in one of the one of the uh, earlier episodes about you know like this lifetime Hallmark movie type of feel that sometimes is already lost right like yeah. small communities really mm-hmm. working together and making uh, putting what they love out there for others to consume and to enjoy and that's exactly what it is that you're trying to do which is yeah. you know mad props to you and you know like we talked about off off the call I mean off the mm-hmm. off the recording you're doing this you know, at home with a home-based kitchen, which is very, very fascinating. We'll talk Mm -hmm. more about that a little bit later. Um, I'm curious. So let's say after this interview, you go to sleep, you wake Uh up tomorrow and you have a hundred million dollars in your bank. What would you spend it on? Um, I would probably spend it on, I'd buy myself a house. (laughs) I would build out my dream kitchen. Um, I would pay off my family's house and like my grandparents, you know, pretty much just take care of my immediate family and make sure that they're good. Pay off my sister's student loans. You know, she's, she's almost there out of college. Um, but really just invest it and give back to the community, give back to organizations that I support. Um, and be able to live a life where, finances are not a worry, essentially. Doesn't need to be extravagant, just basic necessities, um, be able to give my friends and family experiences and, you know, others in the community. So yeah, I think that's great. Well, all the basic necessities taken care of. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. I think once if we take the if we take money out of the equation, I think we have a different perspective, right? Like, oh, 100%. I forgot what it was. Like, if if you knew that you would live forever, like your perspective in life will be completely different. Oh yeah. Right. It, oh yeah. And if you knew that money wasn't an issue, like mm -hmm. your decision making would be completely different. Yeah. And I think that's when probably the the true self comes out. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, we learn to value things differently and things get put in perspective when we know that, you know, we don't have all the money in the world or we don't have all the time in the world. So we need to make the most of what we can with what we have. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that, of course, family is the most important thing for you. And then, mm -hmm. you know, when you were going to win that $100 million or have that $100 million, again, the family um, narrative comes back, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how was your childhood like when you were growing up? I, you know, I had a great childhood. I actually am from Chino Hills. So born and raised, uh, lived that suburban life. Um, I was involved in like Girl Scouts, basketball, dance, um, loved, I was just the kid who loved to socialize. I lived in a neighborhood where there was a ton of other kids. So as soon as we got out of school, we were, you know, as soon as we got home, we did our homework real quick and then we'd be out riding bikes. And it was one of those where everyone's garage door was open um, and you could end up at someone else's house for dinner and you would just say, Hey mom, I'm at so-and-so's house for dinner and I'll be back, you know, after dinner. <laughs> um, so that was, that was my childhood. And then also, you know, growing up, my grandparents, they owned a restaurant. So when I was really little, you know, having family businesses, they would, if they wanted to see me, they'd call up and say, Hey, like we need some help. So I grew up in a restaurant and, you know, got to, that was my first taste of the food industry, essentially. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that you really love baking. Was that mm -hmm. your dream career growing up as a child or was it a little bit different? Um, no, it's exactly what I wanted to do when I was a kid. Um, but to be more specific, when I was a kid, my dream job was to be a pastry chef at Disneyland that made the wedding cakes. <laughs> That's super specific. Why? Tell us, unpack that a little bit for us. Why that? I mean, I, Disneyland wedding cakes, I would think yeah. like princess and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I'm not thinking about weddings. So let, tell us a little bit more. Well, I always loved being in the kitchen. I loved to bake. And then I started watching Food Network and all of those TV shows. And I think I watched like an episode on Disneyland and you know, that whole pastry department. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like, I love Disneyland. I grew up going there and I'm like, Anna, you can bake there. Like, that is so cool. So that was my uh, specific dream job as a kid. <laughs> wow. That was ultra specific. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was a, that was a thing. You know, you think like pastry chef, you know, you would watch uh What's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, Buddy? No, no. Is his name Buddy? The the Car Carlos, like the bakery yeah. guy. From... And then there was another pastry chef guy. He designs the cakes. Cake I forgot his name. It's like the um, cake boss guy. No, it's an it's another guy. Oh, well, that guy too. But there was another guy that was on. I think 
it was a cooking network or food network and yeah. they design all these like cakes and things mm -hmm. like that and they need they deliver it and stuff like that yeah. which is super super fascinating yeah the most like the scariest thing is the creating the thing is impressive mm -hmm. but getting it delivered oh, was yeah. a whole nother, another thing oh yeah it's nerve-wracking watching those <laughs> Like I, I can, I can just imagine like get, getting put in the truck, right? Like mm -hmm. on the way to wherever you're delivering this magical piece that you've spent so much time on. Yeah. Like you got to trust that person that's back there. You got to trust that traffic is going to be, you know, like yeah. there, you know, like just right, just to yeah. get to wherever you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Or, you know, were you a kid that liked school? Uh, was there any favorite or least favorite subjects that you had? So I was not a huge fan of school. Um, I liked school for the social aspect. I loved, you know, socializing, hanging out with my friends. Um, I would say elementary school, I did really enjoy school. Um, I went to Country Springs and we just had a ton of fun. I learned so much there. Um, but then once you got into junior high and high school, things kind of got, got a little bit more dull. You know, you weren't learning songs to memorize things. You weren't, you know, doing all the cool crafts um, and whatnot. But I would probably say like my favorite classes were always the art classes and English. And my least favorite were math and science. <laughs> I think a lot of us can, can attest to that. That's why I think I was talking to another guest my son is really good at math. Mm -hmm. Me and my wife are not. Yeah. So like, where 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 did they get it from? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, she, my mom was, you know, blessed her. She was only able to help me with math after a certain point because after that, it's like, all right, we got to get you a tutor. <laughs> I know. I mean, math nowadays is very different. I remember. I mean, I went to Eagle Canyon Elementary School here. I mean, uh -huh. you're very familiar. with where that is yeah and then when my son when my oldest went to school they're some of the first students that did the common core math okay and when we were trying to help him with his homework it was like okay because they're breaking down numbers doing number bonds and things of that nature mm -hmm. which i didn't know what number bond was at the time yeah I, and I know he like. would come home is like yeah he would say like two plus two like okay four yeah illustrate or draw that out like what? What do you mean? And then explain. Like what? No, no, no. Like, like two and two. You add them up. One, two, three, four. It's four. Like, yeah. What is there to explain? No, I can't. I can't explain that. But you have to. So that oh was a thing. Gosh. But I think you know, in a way, it it helped my son break numbers down differently than than I do. Maybe that's mm -hmm. why he likes math better because. Maybe that is the thing, right? That's why I don't like math because I learned it the hard way. Yeah. I mean, the way he adds stuff is fascinating yeah. because he's yeah. like, he can add big numbers or multiply big numbers mm -hmm. much, much easier. Like I have to have a pen and paper oh, or yeah. a calculator. Oh, yeah. Those are lifesavers. I mean, my kitchen converter app is my saver. Oh, yeah, that's right. You do a lot of math now. I know. <laughs> Making sure those me. measurements are right. Yep. Math and science is something now I'm like, all right, baking is science and chemistry in a way, right? Are, is math. So yeah, turns out I do need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you, when you look back, right, when, was there something 
in your childhood that when you're thinking back to it, you mm-hmm. felt that it led you to exactly where you are today? Yeah. Um, I was the kid who played with the Easy Bake Oven. I had the cast register, you know, toy. I had the little play kitchen. Um, so not only did I play with Barbies, I love to play like restaurant and serve people and take orders. And, um, when I was in Girl Scouts, it was my, I was talking to my mom earlier and she's like, Alex, you know, you, you do know why you joined Girl Scouts. And I was like, no, like, why did I join Girl Scouts? And she was like, because you wanted to sell cookies. <laughs> oh, that's right. I was like, well, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm doing it now. <laughs> I'm still doing it. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah, a skill. Yeah. So I think you know those little experiences that that pretty much gave me the confidence to do what I'm doing now. That's perfect. It's a definitely a a turning point you would say in your life. Yeah, especially in childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've gotten to know your story a little bit more, are you? Ready to go a little bit deeper? Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, we'll pretend that there's an audio that goes in here. Okay. <laughs> Loop it in. I know we will. Well, um, what does being a local Main Street entrepreneur mean to someone like you? It means just being really in touch with your community, um, going back to the days where you know your neighbors, um, and really being just a little, little part in making a better community. Gotcha. I mean, you mentioned that your family, um, your grandparents, are were in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Um, was that how being an entrepreneur got on got on your radar as a kid? Oh, absolutely. Um, they, you know, just going to their restaurant, seeing um, their clients, and really just the, it was like a gathering place. You know, everyone went there and knew my grandparents. My grandparents knew their customers, and you know, just to kind of see that that community and camaraderie over, you know, good food and drinks, you know, I think that was really, it really drew me into having an interest in the hospitality industry. And then also um, growing up, you know, my parents would share with me that my great grandpa, he had a meat market in Watts. So yeah, yeah, that's what he did when he came over. Uh, He opened a meat market and you know, the part that it played in the neighborhood and, you know, that, that was also a part that, that drew me into, you know, bringing people together over food. It's fascinating how many of our ancestors that came to America were entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? They didn't come here. Like, I'm going to go find a safe, secure job. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to come to America and I'm going to start a business. Yeah, they did. They did. And, you know, just knowing your family history and yeah, I'm like fourth, fifth generation out here. So, you know, my, my history goes pretty deep. (laughs) Yeah. They they were all entrepreneurs, you know, at some point, whether meat market or I had a grandpa who grew up, you know, working on the farms. So, you know, just 
we've always been working. <laughs> That's good. It's, it's fascinating. I hear stories where, you know, the gold rush here in California, mm -hmm. people think of the gold rush as a, like everybody just panning or like mining for gold. Yeah. But the most money made mm -hmm. was from the people that made and sold the tools. Yeah for the gold rush which is like that is the real gold rush not the mm -hmm. actual gold, like gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so it really goes back to entrepreneurship right mm -hmm. yeah definitely uh, out of all of your entrepreneurship uh influence you would mm -hmm. say who would you say was the the largest impact for you like who was it that really kind of encouraged this entrepreneurial spirit in you I would say it would just be a mix between my family and just people that I've come into contact with over the years. And I would even go as far as saying back in elementary school, they really developed and encouraged an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, in sixth grade, we had uh, an entrepreneur day where we created a business and we, you know, sold our goods and used the money that we earned for good behavior in class. And we were able to shop around at everyone's businesses. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. I wonder, my, I mean, like I said, I have four kids and mm -hmm. I, I don't remember any of my three kids are in school. I don't remember any of them doing something like that. It's all, I mean, the projects and things of that, that nature, yeah. But yeah, they have to, that had definitely have to bring that back. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, that is super important. And I think it's such a great experience for kids because I don't know if it's just because of the era that I grew up in where, you know, lemonade stands were the hot thing to do and, you know, making things and then selling them on, you know, in, in your neighborhood um, but no, I, I, I would definitely encourage schools and parents to do, do things like that with their kids because it, it really gets their imagination going and, um, you teach them just life skills and the concept of working and earning. That's fascinating. I know there's this, um, uh, her name is Nicole Tabatabai. I, I hope I'm pronouncing mm -hmm. her, her name, uh, Nicole, if you, if you listen to this episode, please don't kill me <laughs> if I butchered <laughs> the way you uh, say your last name. And she, she actually did, um, host here at the shops in Chino Hills, a oh. entrepreneurial kids entrepreneurial fair. That's awesome. You was... know, I think I saw, I saw that because my neighbors, they, uh, their kids participated in it and I think yeah. they sold lemonade. So there you go. That's yeah. I mean, cool. I think they should have do that at every school level, right? Yeah. Like imagine if, instead of having a, just the science fair, science fairs mm -hmm. are important, but <laughs> imagine like an entrepreneurial fair where mm -hmm. everybody kind of competes um, within the school. And then you go to like a district level and then county level. And that would be really would cool. Be, it's like a spelling bee, cool. but for entrepreneurs. Yeah, exactly. If I won a hundred million dollars when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to, I'm going to work on funding something like that. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call you. That's a good one. That's a good one. We can add that to the list. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you, you were in college, uh, you were in college, you, you dropped out. Um, when was it that you made that pivotal decision? You know what? I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like, how was that like? So after I decided to step back from college, I was working waiting tables. Um, and then I got bit by the travel bug. <laughs> 
Um, and I think like most of my contemporaries who, you know, enjoy travel, I was still kind of young. I was 20, sometimes like 20, 2021. Um, yeah. And I had worked, you know, worked, saved up my money, had, you know, a very healthy amount saved up and I wanted to do a long trip. Um, but at the time, none of my, you know, all of my friends were still in school and they couldn't take a month off to travel. Um, I didn't want to travel alone per se. So, and I wanted to be productive. I didn't want to just gallivant around and, you know, just do all the touristy things. Um, so I looked into volunteering. So I did a volunteer abroad in India <laughs> for a month. Yeah, so over there, I got to live and really get a good grasp of the culture and talk to people. And I came back with just a new perspective and a new found kind of gratitude for the freedom that I have out here and the opportunity that we have here. And I was just like, you know what, life's too short. You have all of this opportunity and all these resources at your disposal, you know, you would be doing yourself a disservice for not going for it and taking that risk to just pursue what you've always wanted to. And you knew and you knew in your gut you wanted to pursue, but you were just too afraid to do it um, because everyone around you was doing something else. And you're like, eh, like that's not the route that I want to go, but you know, I want to fit in still. So you know, maybe I'm not going to pursue that. But after coming back from that trip, you know, I, I, I had to. So I started looking into culinary school um, and then I signed up shortly after. Wow. Yeah. So you graduate, you, you came back from India. Um, you went to culinary school, mm -hmm. graduated culinary school, yeah. and then you decided, let me start Love and Liberty Baking Company. Right. No. So I graduated oh, no. okay. from culinary school and I worked for a catering company and I then I worked in um, just like a regular kitchen as a line cook. Um, so I got I got my feet wet in the different areas um, of the restaurant industry in the back of the house before I decided, you know, what, I'm going to I'm going to go do my own thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's fascinating. Um, so now that you've, you know, when you made that decision, okay, I'm mm -hmm. going to do my own thing, right? You officially open your doors, love and Liberty baking company. How yeah. was that journey? Like when you find it, like today I'm my own boss, I have my own company. <laughs> tell us, tell us how it went. Um, it was, it was a roller coaster. Um, so I, you know, I, I like to be squared away. So I got all of my licensing. Um, I, I, okay, well, let me kind of backtrack real quick. Um, before I decided this is what I'm doing, um, I looked for resources to help me uh, start, you know, just start because coming from a background with no experience in starting a business, I had no, no idea what the first step was. Um, so I was really lucky and I came across uh, the Small Business Development Center here over in San Bernardino. 
which is a free resource and they offer free classes, free one-on-one sessions. Um, and they were such an integral part in me starting my business. Um, so once I got that ball rolling, I was meeting with people, I was doing my licensings. So by February of 2020, I had all my papers and I was good to go. And then good old COVID hit. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So it, you know, just right from the get go, I had to pivot um, and get creative because I was like, who's going to want to buy baked goods made at home? in this time right now when things are so crazy and uncertain um but i did quickly learn that you know friend you you really have to lean into your friends and family in those times and you know the people who want to buy they'll come so i i just started by doing like little boxes where you know, every month I would have a box with, you know, five or six items, um, and then I would sell it. Um, and then after about six months of doing that, it got really slow during the summer. Um, and, you know, my mom was like, oh, maybe, maybe we should rethink this, you know, maybe look into something a little bit more stable until this whole COVID thing kind of settles down. So pivoted again. And I went into 911 dispatch for a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a crazy experience, but it was a good one that I am so grateful for. And I have such a respect for dispatchers and law enforcement because when you're actually in there and you are going on ride-alongs, you are listening in on calls and seeing, you know, how much goes into the whole system itself, it's it's mind-boggling. And it takes a certain person to do that job and that person was not me. <laughs> Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, the department that I worked for, they were amazing, super just supportive and helpful, you know, throughout my whole training process while I was there. So I felt really bad leaving because I don't like to disappoint people. (laughs) Um, but I think at the end of the day, I felt that I had unfinished business with love and liberty. So after... Departing from there, I just told myself, you have no plan B. You're doing this, hell or high water, um, and you're going to figure it out. So, you know, wheels have been turning since. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Definitely burning those boats and leaving yourself in an island where you have no choice but just to conquer, right? I think that's... That's fascinating, but it's fascinating. I mean, you got, like you said, you, you did 911 dispatch and being able to see those things firsthand, um, you know, especially during this crazy pandemic, which mm-hmm. is turning into an endemic now, it's going to yeah. be here for, for God knows, probably forever. It's going to be yeah. like one of those, like, oh, get, a, get your, 
get your booster shot like a flu vaccine every every yes. every six months or so. But wild. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, with your background, right? You doing pastries. Um, you know, with ba- love of baking. You know, mm-hmm. coming from a entrepreneurial. You know, with the restaurant, with your grandparents, and all that stuff. Meat, even your one of your grandpas is, you know, in a meat shop. Yeah. What made you choose Love and Liberty Baking Company? Like, where does that come? The name come from? So when thinking of a name, it was definitely difficult. You know, I had a hard enough time figuring out a name for my dog when I got her. So thinking of a name for a company was that much more daunting. Um, But it really just took me kind of taking the time to sit down and think about not just a name, but a brand um, that embodies not only my product, but me as a person and what my mission is. Um, So I wanted something kind of simple, um, but has a lot of meaning behind it. Um, So love comes from my love of baking. um, And then liberty obviously comes from me having the freedom to do it. Um, And it, you know, it could be up for interpretation, you know, to really just follow what you love. You know, we are blessed to live in a country where we have the freedom to be who we want to pursue what we want and we have the resources to do it if we look hard enough. So, you know, I think, you know, aside from providing delicious cookies and baked goods, you know, I, I, I really want to be, you know, that inspiration to people to say, Hey, if you have a passion and you love what you have something that you would love to do at the end of the day, like go for it. No one's stopping you. (laughs) And we only have one go around, so why not make the most of it? And, you know, you're going to fail, but that's okay. You just get right back up and keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I love your branding. I mean, me coming from marketing, like branding is is very, very important. And Mm -hmm. just your branding, just, you know, your your eagle holding a... A A whisk and a rolling pin. A whisk and a (laughs) rolling pin is like... I was like, man, that's really, really good. And I love that. Like, you know, I mean, the first time I, you know, we took home your your products, like just mm-hmm. the packaging, right? Like you feel like, oh, this is homemade, right? Yeah. It's like if there's heart and soul was put into making this. Mm-hmm. It's not just one of those commercial, um, you know, although there's a lot of commercial commercialized, you know, good products out there. But oh, yeah. like having that home homegrown feel is exactly mm-hmm. And that's what you were going for, and that's exactly what it what it was. So yeah. that's like mad props for for being able to do that. Thanks, just giving Grandma a run for her money. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, like you like you mentioned, you start your business, um, you know, hit with COVID, right? What mm-hmm. were and then you had to pivot, and then of course you went when we came, you came back. Yeah. What were some of the other challenges that you faced, you know, as a startup? Um, probably finances. I didn't take out any kind of loans. I essentially just, you know, 
sold what I could on OfferUp for, you know, pocket change, had a little bit of savings, but really just starting small and, you know, getting the ingredients that I needed. Um, and then everything else, you know, my parents helped me out a little bit um, with like the initial getting the tents, getting, you know, what I need to be in a farmer's market, essentially. Um, but definitely finances. So having the money and just kind of building upon that and, you know, and I think putting myself out there and getting myself out there, that was definitely a difficult thing for me to do. Um, finding places to sell and, you know, going into this, I thought I had a target market, but then once you're out there, you attract all these people who you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about you. Or it's like, wait, how did, how, how am I here? <laughs> So just being open to those different opportunities. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. I think that um, sometimes those challenges that we go through is what really sets us up for the future when the when when the actual success that we're hoping for comes. Yeah. Like you're more prepared to to deal with it, right? Like you know, finances is definitely a huge thing. You know, you were basically bootstrapping your business at that yeah. point. You know, kind of trading trade trading every product for for future products, you know, Pretty like you usually, you know, your margins are used to reinvesting your company. And I think a lot of small businesses, sometimes that's one of the biggest things is mm -hmm. it, when you, when you start out your business, you really can't live off of it, honestly. No. Right. Unless, yeah. unless you're fortunate enough to get like some funding or, yeah. or things of that nature, you have yeah. to reinvest into the growth of your business. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, like you said, my packaging, my brand, you know, that, that is all something that had to be reinvested. Absolutely. Well, you know, in business and life, you having mm -hmm. come from, you know, a, a, like a wide variety of, of life experiences, you know, being able to go to India, mm -hmm. um, you know, like experiencing, like working waiting tables and, you know, coming from a family of entrepreneurs really kind of supported you. Yeah. Um, and encourage your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. How would you say in business and life, what would you consider to be something that's non-negotiable for Alex? Um, I would say a non-negotiable for me would be just having integrity and standing firm in who you are and what you stand for and, um, and not wavering. So you know, always being honest and, you know, showing up and doing your best. So. Absolutely. Well, now that you're sort of in, you know, you're in the middle of being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. what do you wish that you knew prior to becoming your own boss? It is not as glamorous as you see it. <laughs> You think, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be my own boss. Like, I'll have all the time in the world to do what I want. You're going to have, like, the perfect work-life balance. But, you know, entrepreneurship is a 24-7 job. You know, if you – and at the end of the day, you know, that's what I love about it the most. And it's also what 
is the most frustrating sometimes is at the end of the day, you, you, you get what you put in. So, you know, if you're not, if you're not out there selling, if you're not out there marketing, if you're not out there making connections and making those sales, then at the end of the day, you're, you're not going to make any money and you're not going to grow. Um, and really just, you have to be mindful in choosing, okay, you know, am I going to take this event or am I going to go to my friend's party? Um, so you, you, you know, you, in the beginning you think, oh, you know, I get to make my own schedule, this and that, but you know, if you want to be successful and you want to grow, then you have to, you have to choose the business sometimes over, over personal and pleasure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which is not easy to do, right? Yeah. Especially when it's your family that's asking for your time. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a, a juggling act that you, we all have to adjust and learn to do. Yeah. But I mean, I'm very lucky. You know, my family is, they help me a lot. I live with them. So I get to see them <laughs> all the Good. time. And, you know, they're, they're the ones helping me put the stickers on the bag and helping me at my market. So luckily family time has actually grown since I started doing my own thing. Um, it's just more of like the friends and social aspect that uh, has kind of taken a backseat. Absolutely. What well, would that said, what would you say has been the most important part of your entrepreneurial journey? I think the most important part has probably been just me developing as a person, um, whether it be, you know, having more grit, having more resilience um, to becoming a better problem solver and, you know, learn, learning boundaries too. I think that that's been a big thing of just knowing you know, what opportunities to say yes to and what opportunities to say no to, because it's okay to say no, but at the same time, you do want to get yourself out there and be open to new experiences. So I think just growing as a person and really being mindful with aligning myself with things that, that, that are right for my business and not just, you know, saying yes to everything that comes Absolutely. Well, decision makings are decision making exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is not easy. I mean, no. every, everybody's calling for your attention when you're an entrepreneur. So yeah, having the making the right decision that you don't know is is this the right decision? I think exactly. you just have to exactly. trust your gut sometimes. Trust and your gut risk. and be okay with whatever the outcome is, whether Absolutely. it be good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could have just one superpower. What would it be? But before you answer that, let's take a quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by Thinkin' Local, a fundraising and giving-based marketing platform whose mission is to connect local Main Street businesses who care about making an impact in the local community with schools and nonprofits who believe in supporting their local businesses. Find out more by visiting Think, the letter in, local.com. We're back, digging for gold on the Behind Main Street podcast. So if you could have that one superpower, what would that be? 
It would be uh, the ability to do multiple things at once and, you know, give it all my attention. So since right now I'm kind of a one woman show, it would be great if I could be washing dishes, making dough, you know, getting cookies out of the oven, packaging the cool cookies all at the same time. <laughs> that would be my superpower. Wow. Multitasking. Yes. I, I was, um, Yes. At a, at a chamber event, Dr. Reggie Thomas, uh, just recently, just uh, last Wednesday, he was a guest speaker at the chamber business at breakfast. And he oh, was cool. talking about uh, time management. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he mentions, like none of us like biologically can really multitask. It's not a, yeah. I mean, we, we say that, Oh, I'm a good multitasker, but it's impossible. Your brain is not meant for you to multitask or else you're going to perish. You know, yeah. like we didn't evolve to multitask we evolved to survive exactly so. and when you say you're multitasking you're never giving your full attention to one or the other <laughs> yeah exactly but i think that's something that the sooner you realize the sooner the better you will be exactly yes but i will say i've gotten i've gotten more efficient uh over yeah. time <laughs> and that's all you could really do is be more efficient with your time if you can cut yeah. cut something to the shortest amount of time that you can without cutting on quality, of course. Oh yeah, definitely. You, you know, that's what you do. Yep. Yeah. Well, in in your opinion, what has been or is the most crucial personality trait that any entrepreneur needs to have? I would say grit. Grit and this is going to be the silliest analogy, but be like a toddler who's learning to walk. <laughs> So, so like at my farmer's markets, I see a lot of families and I see a lot of little ones who are just learning to walk and they have such enthusiasm and such determination, you know, they will get up and they'll take a few steps and they're like, Ooh, I got some momentum and they just go and then they fall. But then they're like, Oh, I fell, but then they get up. So I think as an entrepreneur, you really need to have that, that kind of mindset. And um, there's the ability to be okay with failing and know that it's part of the process and just, just get up and learn from your mistakes. Okay, this didn't work. So I'm just going to do it differently. Um, but have that enthusiasm to like, I want to do this <laughs> too, because, you know, that's the only way you're going to move forward. You bring up a great point. I, I never, I never looked at, looked at it that way, right? Like a, like a toddler. That's a great, great, great analogy. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, with your point, uh, when you bring that up, I was, what's fascinating to me, I'm thinking about it. You know, I, like I said, I have different, I have four kids mm -hmm. and when they learn to walk, I'm always imagining when they're learning to walk, they're uh -huh. going to fall on their face. Yeah. But what you what you notice, they never do. For some reason, when they're going to fall, their knees just like bend all, automatically and they fall on their on their behinds, right? Yeah. And when you bring that up now, it's like I'm thinking like they learned to they learned to fall. They learn they learned to fail. Yes. So failing to them becomes just a stepping stone for them to their next step, their next step, their next step. 
Yeah. So like, yeah, that's very, very fascinating. I never thought about it that way. Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. And then once they start walking, they start running and then they get momentum and then they just don't stop. So, you know, if you translate that to business, it's like you, you get momentum and you ride that you don't stop or else, you know, you're, you're going to get complacent and things are going to stop happening. So if you find that little bit of momentum, you just, you got to ride it out. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, when you first learn your bike, right, Mm -hmm. you get on that thing and you start pedaling and then you're, you're falling, you're falling, right? Your tendency is to stop, right? You Uh put your feet down, but whoever's teaching you, like I did this with my, with my little ones, like just keep Uh going, just keep pedaling, just keep pedaling. And then you're going to find your balance. Yeah. And then it just feels like, oh my God, yeah. it's not that hard. Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly. So that's 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 really, really good. Um, you know, now that you've been sort of um, you know, not, the pandemic is not yet done, right? I mean, it's still here. Um, and you're gonna have more and more challenges, but thus far, mm-hmm. what would you consider has been your biggest failure and what lesson did that teach you? I wouldn't say I have had a monumental failure yet. Um, I've, you know, had a lot of different hiccups. Um, I don't know if it's just maybe my perspective where I don't see things as the end all be all um, when they occur. Um, but I wouldn't say I, I, ha- I can articulate one specific instance where I was like, oh my gosh, this is an epic fail. Um, You know, I think I've obviously have overcome challenges and I've faced challenges, but in the moment you're, all you can say is like, this sucks, you know, or, oh, this didn't pan out how I wanted it to, or, oh, you know, I, I, I may really messed up in this area. Um, but just having the mindset of, you know what, we're going to learn from our mistakes and move on and not dwell on the past. You know, I think you can, it's easy to dwell and get stuck on one specific failure. Um, but you can't do that. You gotta just accept, Hey, you know, I messed up or, this didn't pan out, but that's life. So just got to roll with the punches. So I, I can't, to answer your question, I, I can't really answer your question. <laughs> absolutely. And that's absolutely okay. Well, I mean, if you, let's talk about like, if you could make just one mistake over mm-hmm. again, yeah, what would that be? And how would you do things a little bit differently next time around? Let's see. I can make one mistake over, I think, before entrepreneurship, um, I think just staying in work environments that were not conducive to me or were not a good fit. Mm. I think that's something where I didn't want to disappoint or I felt felt obligated to stay or to just accept it and say, you know, that's, it is what it is. But in reality, it's like, okay, you know, maybe the leadership wasn't as good as it should have been. Um, Or an instance where, 
you know, I wasn't treated the way I should have been treated um, and not just leaving earlier. So I think that's something that I would probably, you know, do over again is just, you know, stand up for myself earlier per se. Gotcha. And I think a lot of our listeners who may not yet be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or even an entrepreneur are, they find themselves in situations that, like you said, are not conducive to their creativity, not conducive yeah. to bringing the best out of, out of us, out of them. Exactly. And I think the easier, the, the faster we recognize that situation, mm-hmm. the faster it is that we can get to the next spot where we can yeah. be ourselves yeah. and where we can be successful. Exactly. So a really, and, really great point. And that goes back to, you know, we don't have all the time in the world, so don't waste it. <laughs> For sure. Well, is there someone or uh, something that you turn to when you feel stuck? When I feel stuck, I mean, initially I turn to my mom. She is my sounding board. She's like my best friend and she'll always be a shoot straighter with me and not be afraid to hurt my feelings. <laughs> um, so her, and then, you know, I, I like to think of myself as someone of faith. So I pray and, you know, I talk to the big man upstairs <laughs> to, you know, just talk through what's going on. Um, but I also turn to podcasts when I feel stuck and I like to listen to stories of other people who have faced adversity or who are, you know, who've gone through worse things than me to kind of give me perspective of, okay, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. Absolutely. Well, you know, in line with that, what keeps you going when, when it, when it gets really tough, what's that drive that kind of keeps you going? think the drive of really just pursuing my purpose and knowing that I, I have a sense of purpose, um, to serve others and to, you know, use my talents for good and to give back to others and to make this place, you know, make my environment a better place. Um, so that really motivates me and, really just every time I interact with a customer, um, you know, that is a huge motivation for me when a little kid is like shelling out their wallet and they want to spend their allowance money on my baked goods. You know, that's a huge motivation for me to keep doing what I'm doing. Wow. Absolutely. goes back to your customers, the, the, yeah. the avatar, you know, that, um, that person that you're trying to serve is ultimately mm-hmm. What keeps you going? Yeah. Um, are there any, you would say, resources other than your mom that you turn to when you're struggling that has helped you? Um, so like I said, um, the Small Business Development Center has been an incredible help. Um, I actually just called them because I want to go from a class A to a class B. So hopefully they can help guide me and navigate me through, you know, making that next step and expanding. Um, so they're a great local resource um, for people in business or in small businesses. Um, and then also I like to listen to podcasts on entrepreneurship and people who have been successful in their own businesses and learn from them. Well, a lot of people are going to start 
once they listen to your episode, they're also going to learn from you. So yes. you're going to be one of those podcast episodes that people are going to take some valuable nuggets and valuable lessons from in their journey on, of entrepreneurship. Good. Well, I'm happy to do so. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to put those little nuggets out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say has been the biggest aha moment for you? Um, I would probably say... Like I said, I, it's hard for me to pinpoint one instance, um, but I struggle with recognizing the small wins within myself. So it has to come from an outside source of like, hey, like you're actually doing pretty good and you're doing what you want to do. And, you know, to see other people get excited about what I've created, you know, I think that's kind of like where it hits me of like, oh, you know, like. You know, people are enthusiastic about, you know, not only what I sell, but my brand and, you know, just the most unexpected opportunities that come about. You're just like, oh, okay, like things have a way of working themselves out. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, if you could talk to 18-year-old self, yes. what advice would you give her? I would say do not hold so tightly to a timeline. <laughs> Because I, you know, like I said, it's, it's hard not to compare yourself to your contemporaries. And when I was 18, I always thought, okay, you know, by this age, I'm gonna, you know, have this, 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 and this. And, you know, I'm at that age where I said I would be and I would have this, this, and this, and it could not have been any further from what I had imagined at 18. Um, so I think I would tell 18 year old Alex, like, you're doing just fine. Um, don't hold too tightly to, you know, what everyone else is doing, you know, at that point in, in your life, you know, it's okay to do something different. It's okay to not be where your friends are at in life. Um, because that's something that I've struggled with lately, especially. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm almost 30. I'm back at my parents' house. I barely have a business starting. Like, forget marriage and kids, like what my friends are all doing. Like, oh my gosh, this is not where I expected to be. But, you know, I couldn't be happier with pursuing what I'm doing. So that's what I would tell 18-year-old Alex is don't hold so tightly to a timeline. <laughs> That is great advice, even for not just for yourself, but a, a lot of a lot of us at yes. that age, where we're at a point where we're trying to figure out what path we're going to take. Mm -hmm. And that path, usually we're either leaning towards what our family or friends are saying. Yeah. Or what society is telling us that this is the future. Like I remember growing up like, oh, computers were was the thing. Yeah, it's wild. And so, look where we're at now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that your superpower would be to be able to multitask, right? Yes. Well, clearly, that's something we can't do. But as an entrepreneur, uh -huh. what would you say that you do as your favorite productivity hack? Um, my favorite productivity hack would probably be just... If a task takes less than five minutes, just do it. Whether it's sending off an email, whether it's 
you know, organizing my ingredients or going to this, you know, just putting labels on my bags in my free time or, you know, looking into events to do in the future. Like if it's something that takes less than five minutes, just, just do it because, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, you're going to wish you had done it instead of checking in Instagram. (laughs) So I guess my best advice would be just put the phone down, put the apps away and don't procrastinate. (laughs) Absolutely. There's that book I, I read a while back. It was called, I forgot who the author was, but it's called eat that frog, which is, which is so weird. Right. Cause if you like it, the, the premise of the book is if you had to eat a frog uh-huh. for breakfast, Ooh. eat the biggest one first. Yeah. Because then everything else is like easy. easy. Because like if I had to eat a frog in the morning, a live frog, yeah, that's probably the worst thing that I'm going to have to do that day. Everything exactly. is going to be easy from that, from that point on. Mm-hmm. Well, if you were granted three wishes, what would you wish for? I would say I would wish that money wasn't a thing. So just don't have to worry about money. Just live a comfortable life and not have to stress about a paycheck or, you know, that that kind of stuff. Um, second wish would be, I think I would... This might go hand in hand with the $100 million question. I think I would wish for just a large property that would be like a blank canvas for, you know, either a bakery or a place to have events and to host people. Um, So I think that would be my second wish. Uh, And third wish would be... Hmm, that's a tough one. I think my third wish would just for kids to be able to have the kind of childhood that I had of, you know, being able to play outside and, you know, growing up in a neighborhood where you knew all your neighbors. You know, I think that's something that's been lost over over the years of just you know who knows <laughs> yeah for sure i think that i mean i tell my kids oh why don't you guys go play outside yeah well, because i don't know our neighbors yeah and our, our neighbors like don't have kids so like mm-hmm. you have to you have to drive or walk like far away just to figure out <laughs> like which neighbor has a has a oh, kid so, yeah, kids around here. <laughs> i know well that's why i have four so they can play amongst themselves oh exactly <laughs> or, or that you know problem solved <laughs> yeah. Well, could you recommend uh, for our listeners three books that has helped you? So I'm not much of a reader. Um, I'm the person. Or shows or podcasts. So I will recommend podcasts. Um, I would probably say the three that I listen to the most, um, and these are all very much like entrepreneurial um, podcasts. Uh, so the first one is Real AF, um, and it is Andy, Andy Frisilla, um, and he is all about 
kind of like fitness, entrepreneurship, um, and just has a lot of interesting people on his show and topics that he talks about. Um, another one is Team Never Quit. And that one is hosted by Marcus Luttrell, who is an ex-Navy SEAL, um, or better known as like the lone survivor. Um, and he has a lot of inspirational people on who are both entrepreneurs or just people who have just overcome incredible adversity in their life and are doing great and productive things um, to give back. And then the third is, so I'm going to give you four. <laughs> so the third is going to be, um, it's called Order of Man. So that host is Ryan Mickler. Um, another just entrepreneurship, uh, very like faith, family, fitness. Um, and that's kind of like the common thread with all these podcasts is they're entrepreneurs. Um, they are into fitness, faith, family. So a lot of, a lot of values that I share. Gotcha. Gotcha. Perfect. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I haven't listened to any of those. Okay. I'm going to, that's what, that's my next, I'm going to add them to my, to my Spotify list. So that's oh, yeah. That's what I do when I bake. I listen to podcasts. <laughs> I know. That's so amazing. You know, like I used to do it while driving. Mm -hmm. I was like drive time university. And so, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing that we have this now. I remember podcasts back in the day was something like what, like you, you had to only have like a, an iPod. Yeah. Right. That's that's where it all comes from. And not everybody had an iPod before. So it's and fascinating to be able to do back this. in the day. <laughs> oh, I know. I remember. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, now, what are you most looking forward to uh, your future as an entrepreneur? I am looking forward to just expanding and just seeing where the future takes me. I like I said, I kind of just I go with the flow. I don't hold too tightly to an idea because, you know, like we've seen over the past few years, it could be, you know, it could be taken from you overnight. So just being flexible, but also maintaining, maintaining um, just my brand and staying true to who I am um, and just kind of just seeing where, where the wind takes me. So just continue to work, continue to come up with some really good baked goods. Um, and like I said, I'm looking to expand and be able to get my permit to resell. So hopefully I get to team up with some other really awesome businesses in the future. That's fantastic. Was there any question that I wish I'd, you wish I'd asked you that I didn't get a chance to? No, I think we we covered all the bases. You asked some really good questions. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, in closing, what is one piece of practical advice that you can share with our listeners in their journey of entrepreneurship? I think the one piece, you know, I, I, I may just go back to my toddler analogy of, you know, stay, stay persistent and you're accept that failure is part of the process and it's just, it's inevitable. We're all going to fail. 
Um, so I think the best thing you can do is just keep a positive attitude while in those times of failure and be able to take a step back and evaluate where you went wrong and, you know, have, be, be honest with yourself when, you know, and take ownership. I think that's the most important part is to take ownership over all that you do. So everything that you do right, everything that you do wrong as the business owner, you know, it falls on your shoulders. So take ownership. And I think that's what's also the greatest part about being a business owner is having that sense of ownership over the work that you do and knowing that, you know, it's, it comes out of your labor of love. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah. Where can listeners learn more about you and your business? Um, so I'm on Instagram and on Facebook and I have my own website. So everything um, is going to be at Love and Liberty Baking. And then my website is loveandlibertybaking.com. So there you get to see photos of all the delicious baked goods. Um, you get to, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, so you can stay up to date with any pop-ups that I'm doing, um, markets that I'm doing. Um, so it's all there. And then on my website, I have my menu. You can order online. I, I do pickups in Chino, um, or you can pick up at a market. So that's an option too. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to have all of those information on the description of this episode and on this video. So awesome. thank you so much, Alex, for being such a gracious and great guest. You know, you they gave us a lot of actionable nuggets that we could be able to use practically in our businesses um, that we can apply to our business. I want to invite our listeners to please do check out Alex from Liberty Baking Company, as well as being able to check out all of the stuff and keep her uh, try her goods they're definitely good i can attest to them but also share them with your friends i would also like to request that you subscribe share and leave a rating on this episode um, i would very much appreciate your honest feedback which helps me continually provide impactful content that i hope you will find valuable and always remember that every day that you face adversity think of that as an opportunity to find the gold inside you until next time have a success filled day. Thanks for listening to the Behind Main Street podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Remember to visit www.behindmainstreet.com.